Good morning, everybody. How you doing? It's a beautiful, beautiful fall day. We're experiencing. It just uh, wasn't summer. Gosh, it went by so fast. And so, you know, I would just, if you could, does just, just God, do, can we pray over weather? Can we do that? Maybe put that prayer request in uh, this morning here. But uh, I know we'll, I'll be in the light a little bit more here in a moment. Uh, but uh, listen, I just want to take a moment. If you are new, I'm, I'm Dan. I serve as a pastor here. So if you're online as well, welcome to be a part of our our, our journey together, and, and as we're, we hopefully get something out of God's Word here this morning, I know there's so much we can give. And so, hey, but before we jump into the message, I want to just highlight one more thing on all the things that you heard, is that tomorrow evening, we have a special gathering that we're having. We're calling our Spring Family Gathering, and we've done these gatherings many times over the years, and of course, through the pandemic, it was just been very, very difficult, and I think this is kind of our first full one back after two plus years uh, that we're not only coming together, but we're actually going to attempt to eat together. Can you believe that? You know things are getting better when you can eat together. And so we want to invite you to, to come with us tomorrow night. It'll be right in this room. We're going to have a potluck dinner, and you can bring whatever, whatever works for you to bring. I think we've got some based on your letter. You can look that up. Uh, or bring your best dish, okay? Whatever you like to make, bring it tomorrow evening. So we'll have a dinner portion uh, at 6 o'clock, and then probably about 6.45 or so, we kind of go more into kind of a gathering portion in, sh in our sharing time. So if you're maybe like, oh, I'm not sure if I can get off work in time, I don't know if I can do the dinner part, or you'd rather just kind of wait on the dinner part, don't feel like you got to do the dinner to be there. So just show up about that time. We're also going to be providing child care. Can you let me know today? We have a few families that already expressed it. Just let me know personally after the service or you know, email me, whatever, but we, have, but we do have a couple great high school girls are going to be helping with that tomorrow evening downstairs. After the dinner portion, then the kids will go downstairs, and we'll have our time up here together. What we're going to be covering is this. We're going to be celebrating what God has done and what God has got us through this last couple of years. We're going we're gonna to be able to hear hearts, and, and we have some individuals that we planning to share, but we also want to hear from you. Like, maybe, Lord, you just lay it on your heart to share something about your life or others involved at North Bay. We, we want to take time to do that. We're going to take some, we're going to have some updates of where we are in our building uh, process. We're going to share kind of where we are and some staffing, some kind of general things that are going on in the present, present season, but also looking into the next season. Say, God, what is it next can we believe in and trust you in? Because I really think it's just a rebuilding time. And many of you have been a part of our church for many years, but many of you actually that are part now haven't been a lot around for more than a year or so. And so this is our good first opportunity for you to be, what is North Bay Christ the King? What are, what are we about? And we have the opportunity to share that with you as well. So could you come tomorrow evening? Could, could you make that happen? I know that's an extra night, and if you're doing other things and other church activities, other things going on in your week, but I really hope you can make it a priority uh, to be with us. I think it'll be worth it, to especially coming together even at the end, and we're going to just be praying as we sang that song today, such a timely thing, Waymaker, that we're believing God will make a way uh, when there is at times it seems like there's no way that he's away. So thanks for already planning to be there tomorrow evening for that. Uh, last week we started this series called The Joy of a Generous Life, and I started talking about how, you know, I have not met any grumpy generous people. Have you? Most people are generous. There's, just, there's, a, there's a glow about them. There's something that's spring in their step. They're, 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 they're excited about life. They just, they're so 
grateful for what God has given them that they just can't help but to give toward others. And, and it inspires me. It inspires me at times to go, I want to be like that person in their giving. They just, there's something about them that they live. It's just almost a freedom that they have. And that's the heart of this series. Last week we ended with, with open hands, that, that open hands, open hearts. And I hope this week that maybe practically, I was in a couple meetings this week and I started doing this and I'm like, oh, wait a second. I need to open my hands up. I need palms up and kind of releasing it to the Lord. And releasing. And I, I found my blood pressure maybe went down just a little bit. I, I found myself calming a little bit. And even some prayer times I had, even this morning, I, I, I was doing, I was like, oh, wait, in, in worship, I was able to, to say, Lord, it's yours. It's, it's it, your God, you're, I want to live this open-handed life that you've given me. But I've, you, I've received so much in giving, but also I've received in receiving. <laughs> I, I've, I've been blessed by, by generous people. I, I remember several years ago, it, and we've had, you know, you've probably had different people in your life just bless you and give you. A, a lady that's no, no longer with us blessed us, our family, with uh, the Lion King tickets down at the Paramount in Seattle. And I've seen the cartoon, and like, okay, and then we go there, and we're like, holy cow, this is a massive, massive production. But when we, when we looked at the tickets, it said, it said VIP. I'm like, oh, VIP, that's pretty special. And so we get down there, and we're going into the front entrance, and, the, and the, the person says, oh, no, sir, this is not your entrance. You need to go around to the other entrance. Oh, special entrance. And we walk in. I literally think there was a red carpet, you know. I was like, wow, this is a red carpet. And I know we all, I immediately looked at what I was wearing, which was probably something like this. And, you know, I had my good jeans on. And then I'm like, oh, okay, we need, there's no, I need a tie with my T-shirt or something. I don't, I, and, and, and so we get in there and they had different hors d'oeuvres. And you, would you like this? And, you know, I'm like, wow, this is so, we're like, Fancy, really fancy. And, and, and then there was kind of, the, they flicker the lights, it's time to go, and we found our seats, and we, we look over the balcony, we have balcony seats looking over the very stage, and like, these are like the best seats in the whole house. So we, you know, and, and, and then this intermission, I mean, it was just beautiful, incredible performance, right? We were just wowed by it. And then there was an intermission, and then we go, and they had, they had desserts for us, and again, this special room, and we're like, we're just, this is just, this is kind of like, this is kind of like how rich people do this, right? This is how they, you know, and we're kind of getting used to it, and then, and then, and then our daughter, she's probably middle school at the time, she's like, I gotta go to the bathroom, and so Christy and her went in, and the daughter comes out, she says, they got heated seats, and this, you know, it's like, it's like, wow, you know, like, we're just, and we didn't really know how to act, honestly, we kind of felt fish out of water, like, this is pretty, this is VIPs, pretty, pretty special, so now, I don't know if you've got to experience something like that, and being backstage pass, or anything like that, but you do feel special, but a lot of us kind of feel like, you know, we, we're not really rich people, but we try to act like rich people, and I don't know, we, I don't know how we did on that, but, but it was because someone was generous, in our life, and I discovered the true joy it is, is it's not just in the getting, though it's wonderful to receive, there's so much in, in the giving, and I, and I would say again, I have moments where I've been generous, but I want to grow in, in generosity, but it's been difficult, as we mentioned last week, and we don't have to mention it all, in the last couple of years, it's been very difficult to live generously, because we've lived in a society of scarcity, this last week, and it's like, 
There's no baby formula. Like, and by the way, if you are hoarding baby formula and you don't have a baby, okay, it's time to give the baby formula. And that's kind of serious things for what's going with moms and babies. And so there's real, there's real issues. And so what happens is in the supply chain, the difficulty is we can kind of grip it a little bit, can't we? We just feel it. We feel the, we feel the tension. And yet, in our, in our lives, and, you know, and, and we, we see it in our culture, and then we see it in the stock market, like, well, it's like kind of gripping a little bit more, the ups, the ups and downs that go. We're, we need to recognize, though, we have a whole lot still. We actually, as much as we don't realize it, we're actually kind of fairly rich in, 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 in so many different ways than what we have. I mean, right now, like, one out of nine people in our world today won't, won't get to eat. And yet the crazy thing, there's like 27, I don't know how they predict this, 27 billion pounds of food goes to waste in the world. We live in a society where we have more buffets per capita, and I'm not sure with COVID how that's affected things now, but we have the highest rates of anorexia in our world. How do you, how do you have a land of plenty, and yet you have, you have this, this level of, of scarcity so the question I have as we jump in here to this is, how rich are you? Now, I'm not going to ask you what your nest egg is or what your net, you know, I, I'm, net worth is. I, I'm not going to do that today. Uh, that's, that's really not actually the question. We actually need to go to the basic level is really understand the perspective of rich. Because when we say, how rich are you? Like, you, don't see, you might not see yourself very rich. You might not see yourself, you know, it's a comparison. You know, you can, you can compare what you see on TV and your neighbor and other people, but how did, really, it's the vast majority of us actually are, will be considered rich in the world. And just to put some numbers on it, if, if you make, and these numbers may be a little bit older, but if, if you make $37,000 a year, you are actually considered rich in the world. Do you know that 4% of the world makes more than $37,000 a year. Think about that. If you make $48,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world. Who's rich compared to the world we live in? A world scare. We, we, the reality is the problems we have are kind of rich people problems, right? You know what rich people problems are. You, you, you break your screen and your iPhone, got to get another phone. That's a rich person problem, right? You... you you know, you can't decide where to go to vacation, what, what, what to do. That's kind of a rich person problem. You know, your computer crashes, your internet, your car breaks down. They're all actually, in the, even on the basic levels, are rich people problems. You know, Amazon doesn't deliver, you know, the two-day. You know, it's supposed to be at the end of the seven-day, right? We think through these things, and we put it kind of in perspective. Or we have this one. I think we got this picture on the screen. Here's a rich kid problem. She didn't get the 32 but oh, let's pray. Can we pray for her? Okay. And you look at that and go, how spoiled. But we do look at our own lives. So like rich people problems. We have a culture that's striving for more, and yet we never seem to have enough. And so is it possible that really having everything we need, we actually could lose sight of what we need it for? And maybe that's really the problem. And so as we talk about it, I want to talk this morning about how to be rich. And some of you are like, well, are you talking about how to become rich? No, I'm talking about how to be rich in a very practical, 
scripture that we're going to look at this morning. In fact, there's a, there's a true statement that I want to go with it that I think is a core of our souls and really for us to experience the, the true joy of living a generous life. And this is the affirmation I want to encourage us with is this. And this is it. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Could you say that with me? Can we, can we say that together? Here we go. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. It's easy to do, but difficult when we start looking at our land of Ur. You know what the land of Ur is, right? There's someone else out there that has something better, smarter, faster, cuter, sexier, richer, right? And, and, and you think you're good, and then, then you, see, you do, do the comparison, and what, what do they call it? FOMO, fear of missing out? Like, that does, oh, I need one of those. You've done this. You've gone to Costco. You didn't need anything at Costco except eggs, bread, milk, and you come out with an air compressor, and you come out with a shirt, and you come out with golf clubs, and like, how did I, how can I get all that in one store? Costco provides all that. We think we need the more, and we live in this land of Ur, and yet what happens is it's messing us up, and we're not really learning that, learning to be rich. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we acquire this ability to live rich? Well, it takes some skills, takes some development. Just like wealth, there really isn't a handbook given to you. It's just like parenting. You just, there's really not, I mean, you, you think having more money will help you understand that, that you can handle it better. That's just like saying, you know, being a parent, if I have more children, that'll help me be a better parent, <laughs> right? It doesn't work that way. You've tried that. Some of you have had five kids. That's not, that didn't work out too well and getting better at it. But Scripture, though, can help us. It, it talks about the problem of being rich. Now, listen, being rich isn't bad. You know, there, some rich people, like my, my, my family, we just didn't know how to act like it. We didn't know how to do it. So the advice that we're going to talk about here is, is not just trying to discover, not just being good at being rich, but truly finding joy in, in being rich ultimately being generous with their lives that as rich people that we are realizing how much god has richly provided us and a great scripture i think so practical is the apostle paul to a young pastor named timothy who pastored a rich church in verse 17 of chapter 6 of first timothy this is what he says he says command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Command in this present world not to be arrogant. Command, that's a strong word. It's not like, you know, it'd be a good idea if you command them, Timothy. This is what you need to do. And this 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 challenge. And so Timothy, you understand the 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 church he's pastoring is in the city of Ephesus. It's it's a port city, it's it's a it's it's a high religious, high class place actually and in high in commerce and paul says this city this church has so much potential paul the church that you pastor there's so much riches that are here of of quality and of resources challenge this church command this church that's strong language not just suggest it command it call them out to do it and what does he call them out call them out on their, well, their arrogance. 
See, this word arrogant here means having a high inflated sense of self-worth. And we see where rich people can find this and where we see it where net worth is inflated, so self-worth becomes a little bit inflated too. And we, we see this reinforced in our world over and over again. We find this with people is if you're rich, there's an inclination that maybe you have a lot more to offer and just, be, just because you're rich. Maybe you are smarter. Maybe you are better looking. Maybe you are a little more competent. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just the reality. Money does things to people. Like, when you're, when you're with a group of people and, and, you know, you're talking and then person of wealth comes and stands there, all of a sudden the attention can go to them, can it? How, their position and their power and everything. And they can be saying something very calm and everybody's like, oh, I got to write that down because it's so, you know, it's like, you know, or you, you, you somehow like, have you noticed that sometimes rich people are a little bit more funnier than the other people? You're with people, and they, and they like, that, and then that, that person, are like, oh, and they get you laugh, and this time you go, that's not funny at all, you know? It's like, and we get caught up. We do this. We realize this, and it's just, some of us are insecurities, and, and, and some of it's just pushing someone maybe beyond really what they are, but, but it happens all, happens all the time. We, we find ourselves comparing ourselves. We, we, we might have had, you know, maybe people over your home sometimes, and, you know, and, you, and we've had this before, like, we, you know, we, we just they come over and we know they have a lot of money and things and they have probably like designer furniture and we've got like crappy Ikea furniture and you know and the, the type that are put together and like oh you, you do this comparison and I heard I read this week what C.S. Lewis says he says that comparison's the thief of joy because we, we compare ourselves and even though we feel content sometimes then we, then we look at others and what they have we look beyond that so there's this trap of viewing the world's wealth this way. So we need to figure out how do we, let's not become arrogant in what we have, and yet in the same time, what we don't have become insecure, that we're not building that. So how do we be good at being rich? I'm going to talk about here this morning. First thing is this, is our self-worth is not our net worth. Our self-worth is not our net worth. Can you, can you, can we remind of this? None of us are worth more than anyone else. Okay, even if your 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 nest egg and your bank account is you, you know you know others, it's not how God sees that at all. I just love the affirmation that was given to as God looked upon it for a new king, which would have been which became David in the Old Testament. This is what it says: The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. That's what he sees. God's greatest concern is what's inside of us. And if it's a heart that's filled with humidity, humidity, humility and, and, and not arrogance, a generous heart that's connected to generous hands, our self-worth then turns into sacrificial work. And that is what's most valuable to God. And if you're here today and you're watching online and wondering if you're, you're valuable to God, you are immensely valuable. You are so valuable that God sent his very son to come and die. He paid the highest price with his very blood that was shed on the cross for you and for I. So we don't have to question our worth any longer. And yet rich turns a little bit toward riches rather than one that richly provides for us. Yet, what we find ourselves is, if we're, as we believe that, we're challenged 
all the time, and it can be a detrimental to even our outlook or our life. See, how we can be good at being rich is also this, is where we putting our hope in a who, not in a what. If we're going to be good at being rich is putting our hope in a who, not in what. What Paul says th- this way in verse 17, command, again, those who are, are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, and then he says this, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Very simple, very clear with that. But this, Paul is saying, hey, this wealth, well, well, listen, wealth isn't bad. And if you're here and you would say, yeah, in world standards, I, I'm doing pretty well off, that's not a bad thing. We shouldn't feel guilty for what we have. We should be celebrating what God has given us, the provision he's provided, whatever amounts it is. That is where we can experience the joy of generosity because we, we are grateful for it. But the, what Paul's saying, the slippery slope is when we start putting our hope into wealth. And some of you are like going, well, I don't have, I don't have a lot of wealth. And remember, <laughs> if you make $37,000 a year, you're in the top 4%. So we've got to put in perspective. If our basic needs are being met, we are way more wealthy than the rest of the world. But it's not even that. It's when we put our hope in. It's where we put our hope in. Paul's warning us in our day that there's a natural inclination that more you acquire can affect your place of hope. Because the reality is this. We need to be responsible. We need to be good stewards of what God's given us. There's nothing wrong with paying off debt. There's nothing wrong with saving for retirement. There's nothing wrong with having some reserves. There's nothing wrong with going to go on vacation. And, and save even for a rainy day. But let's be honest. We can, the, we can put a lot of hope once we get our bills paid and save for the future and have everything in, and we can rest upon that, and we find that could be very, as we're going to look in a moment, could be very, very uncertain in our lives. Hope often accompanies riches for people. They, they, they see that. But if our hope is in the riches rather than hope in Lord, we're going to come to uncertain times, and there comes a crash. I think we've seen that in the last two years, what happened where people put their hope in something that the life became very, very uncertain in their life. And we've seen that where depression and anxiety, and now there's this surge of suicides that happen, and all the effects that we, what we've gone through because we, we've lived in this place of scarcity and holding on to whatever, quote, wealth that we have. Why? Because we put our hope in the riches, not in the one who richly provides. And so this is a warning to us rich people, not trusting in the riches, but putting hope in God. So what is the outcome? I love what Paul says here. He says there is joy. Verse, last part of verse 17, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Do you read that? Do you see that? Enjoyment. It's not the end, like, at the end, oh, God just wants you to suffer, even though there's suffering in life and challenges that we go through and dying to ourselves as followers of Christ. At the end, there is enjoyment. In the middle of enjoyment is joy. It's literally in the word. And he's saying, what is it? Great pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment and joy. All of this is we're trusting in, not in what we have, but what will end up being one day. And we're putting our hope in God. Paul, I love, he reinforces this way in 2 Corinthians. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we look beyond. 
We look beyond. And so when we do that, our, our fear of losing really is rather than moving us toward really trusting. See, another thing about good at being rich is this. It's, it's not how much you have, but what good you do with what you have. It's not how much you have. It's what good you do with what you have. In verse 18, he continues on. And there he is, another command. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Double commands here. It's like, oh, it doesn't suggest that you should command them, do them, and, you know, admonish them to, to take this extra attention to do this, to, to do good. This wealthy church had this wealth, but what are they doing with beyond the basic needs? Are they doing good for others? See, our challenge lies, whatever we have more, we have this natural, natural assumption that it's really for our own consumption. And you see this. It's not bad of being rich, but it, there's what could be the temptation is to become richer. Paul points this out in the story, or actually Jesus does, of, of a parable, he says, of a rich farmer who hit it big. In Luke chapter 12, he tells that the, there, it says this, the ground of a certain man, certain rich man, yielded abundant harvest, okay? It was a banner year for this guy. He did, did really well. Great crops came in. Everything worked out. And he goes, wow, I've got a lot here, you know, and some of us can relate with. Maybe this year, as much as it's been difficult for some, some actually did. It was a good year in some industries, and so there, there, there was a promotion. There was a new, there's a new, you, you create, you know, when you're part of a company, create a new app, or you open up a new location, or there's so many good things could happen even on the, uh, of the bad things that happened. And so you, maybe you've had one of those. You can relate. The farmer asked himself, he thought himself, this is what he says in response to his abundance. He says, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. You ever, you ever have so much you don't know what to do with? You've done this before. You've, you've moved, right? Some of you have downsized because you had a family home and now you're in a retirement home and you're like, why do we have all this crap? Like, where did this stuff come from, right? Why do we, and you downsize. And, or if for some people they get so much, what do they do? They upsize, right? You, you grow into what you have and, and so you just get bigger. Right? You, 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 well, you get, you, you, your house grows bigger and then you don't have that. You, you know, one of the great things we have is a lots of storage units are around. And so then you store those things. I got a friend that builds man caves for, for your stuff. So guys, if you need to do that. So he has a, a storage unit and then has a loft that you could create a man cave so you can actually have a man cave with your stuff, okay? How, you know, that's what happens. So this guy has this, it's kind of a rich guy, rich person problem. You know this happened for you. You have a lot of choices and a lot of opportunities. These are rich people decisions that we have. What do I do with all that I have? Well, listen to the answer to this guy. He goes, I got all this. What am I going to do with it? He says this. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will store up my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of, of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And go on a cruise. I'm not against cruises. If you want the coronavirus, go on a cruise <laughs> and sit in a port somewhere. You know, maybe wait a little bit on that. 
Nothing wrong with cruises, nothing wrong with wealth, nothing wrong with age. But what's going on? At the end of the day, right, what are we doing with it? Now, some might look at that. That's brilliant. That's a great tax write-off. He's really smart with that. Building a bigger one, he could get a write-off on that. And, you know, and we, 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 again, I'm not saying you can't upgrade, but it's the upgrade. What are we doing? What we do is we upgrade our, our barns for bigger barns because we compare ourselves with our neighbor's barn. Listen, compare, comparison doesn't do anything. It's just, it's just bigger and better and faster, right? We look for these things. We look for these upgrades. Just watch every sports event on TV. It's, it's either a beer commercial or a truck commercial, okay? It's always an upgrade. There's always for something more that your life will be. And it's so the American way. But can I tell you, and I hope we hear this in the last couple years, can we hear this? Is that Jesus was never American. He did not have the Bill of Rights written in the Beatitudes. It's a different way. Listen to this the response of Jesus to this man. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what has prepared for himself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, don't freak out. It, you, you know, you got to raise, and oh no, God's going to strike me dead. That's not what this is. Jesus saying the same thing as Paul saying to Timothy. The failure of being rich is believing that everything we received, everything we acquired, everything that we work really, really hard for is all for us. When we store for ourselves and not being rich toward God, at the end of the day, there will be total loss of it all. How do we know this? Because we're all destined to the grave. And I know it's cheesy, and I've used it even in funerals, but you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul, do you? Now, you might pass on your wealth to the next generation, that's, and then they have to deal with it. But that's really what it is. What are we doing? We have this opportunity to take advantage of going all I have, all I have more than we need, to simply am I saving myself or are, am I going to be rich toward God? I've had many, many humbling moments in my life where I see people that don't have anything. They're just incredibly rich in faith and in, 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 and, and the ministry and the work of the mission of Jesus, unbelievable. And I have to many times get out of the country to experience that. I'm hoping one day to get out of the country again, uh, not only to help people in the other worlds, but my own heart at times at what really truly matters. Several years ago, I've, when I was a youth pastor, we did a lot of mission trips, and we did trips to Mexico. And I remember a setup trip with a couple of my friends, and we, we, we went outside the city in Mexico, in, in cities in Mexico, and very the, one of the poorest, poorest communities. And we had, we had lunch with this pastor and his wife and children. And we got there, and our, our interpreter said, hey, just so you know, you're, I think they're, you know, like homemade tamales. Can you imagine Mexico, how good that would be? And, and all the food they're making, just so you know, that's probably a week's worth of their wages that they're going to be serving you today. So eat every bit of it. <laughs> and so we come in there in this humble, humble little home. And as we're eating, we say, tell us, tell us, about your ministry and your church and everything. 
and they began to share over and over and over again of transformation, of, of, of gangs coming to Jesus and people getting off drugs and getting free and, and people that were talking about demons that possessions and how people were delivered and, and there's one man they, 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 they look he was dead and he got, they prayed for him he came back to life and they're just sharing they're crying and we're crying and, and we're going who really is rich in this world is there as we see this and it, so it was a humbling moment that realized how rich I really was and actually how desolate my heart really was at times because at times I've trusted in riches rather than the Lord that richly provides it was a beautiful moment, a sobering moment. But Paul tells us this. Of what we do, it has everything to do for being rich toward God is for the good. Look at verse 19. He says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves. Listen to this. As a firm foundation for the coming age. So they may take hold of the life that is truly life. If you want and I want to experience real life, if we truly want to live the full experience, the abundant, wonderful life of following Jesus, it's all in the giving. It's all in the giving it away. It's all in the opportunity that we have to be this blessing to others. That is where we're going to experience true life. That is why generous people are not grumpy. That is why you see the, 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 the freedom that they have and the opportunity. Again, it, it, I'm not looking at that even in a selfish way, but in a selfless way that you're going, I, the satisfaction that you, all that you had, you were good stewards, and you gave all you gave, and that was, that was it. What a powerful verse to tell us what really matters, that what we do on this earth connects to all eternity. And Paul's really emphasizing this, the command twice. He's saying, listen, you have this opportunity, rich church. You have this way that Timothy tell the church that you can, they can give in such a way in this generosity that, 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 that really they only have one opportunity. Don't blow it. There's only one life. The life that we're called to give it away and give over to the one who, who has given it all to us. See, my challenge for us rich people is does, let's not miss the opportunity and the way we know that is what we have already received. See, finally, once bankrupt, you wonder how to be rich is know this. Once bankrupt, we became rich at Christ's expense in funding us to do good. Ephesians, Paul just so ties it all together. He says this, all of us have lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were natures of God's wrath. Paul's saying, we were, before it all, we were consumers of goods. We were, we were users. We were, we were hoarders. We were people, then at the end of the day, living for ourselves that by nature deserve the wrath, that we were bankrupt, destitute, and poor because of that. But what does it say? Because of his what? Great love. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even while we were dead in transgressions. And it's by grace you have been saved. And God raised 
us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show the what? Incomparable riches of his grace expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And here it is. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we, the result of this, are God's handiwork. His, pri- his, 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 his prize creation created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Sums it all up. Listen, when we know the depth of the grace that we received, it's out of that wonderful gratitude that we can give. When we know that, when we trust in the abundance of God, what is the abundance of God? It's the riches of, he's rich in mercy, and this incomparable riches of his grace, when we know that we were bankrupt, that we are destitute, we're far from God, and in fact, we're, 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 we are... Um, Ra- we we're the objects of God's wrath. We were, there was no neutral ground. We were enemies. But it was through the cross and what Jesus did, that, that price, the multiple price, so that we can be rich in faith, in comparable riches. Can I encourage us in the time that we live right now, there is no supply chain issues with what he has. Amen? He has it all. And he is an abundant God that wants to pour it out. So we don't have to do this any longer. But what we do is we trust that everything he's giving us, we are to be responsible for meeting the needs. Yes, of our own family, of the things we have. If you give it all away, then we're all going to be in need. But this responsibility to be not a reservoir of it all, a reserve of it all, but a river that he flows through. And Paul encourages, and Jesus says at the end of the day, what happens is there's this life, this incredible life, this abundant life that we have. It's this life, this true life that we can take hold of. So, as Chris and Matt come as we close here, I just have this really kind of simple question. So, how are you going to spend your life? How are you going to spend your life? What do you have? How are you going to spend it? How are you going to live it? It is all through this lens when we ask that question is, I am rich. I am a rich person. And this amazing faith that God's having, incomparable, incomparable riches that I have in Christ Jesus through his grace and mercy. How now shall I give it away? How now shall I spend my life. Can I tell you, I've, I've blown it a few times. I've blown it. I've blown it with my time. I've not, I've wasted time. I've wasted time on entertainment. I find myself needing to fix sometimes on things just to kind of escape away. I don't want to talk. I just want to watch the game. I just want to watch whatever show I've done. I did that last night. We, we, late girls are talking in the house and, and, and we're, you know, and, 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 and I say, hey, I'm, I'm watching this, you know, and they're like, they're like, what's more important, us or this TV show? And uh, it's like, that's right. <laughs> Pause. I'm like, for a couple of minutes, like, I still want to watch the show, you know? And, and yet, that's just part of that moment you have. It could be gone that we have with people and the time that we have with people. Our talents. Some of you are just incredibly talented. 
and, and some of you have had great careers and the talent you have. Now what are you going to do? Are you just going to eat, drink, and be merry and, and die? Or what do you have to offer in the gifts that you have? Not just in maybe skill level, but personality and, and, and you're good with people. I tell you what, people reach people. God wants to connect you with people and using your gifts of people to reach others. You have talents and gifts and abilities that, that are opportunities for to help use in your kingdom. If you need help with that, let us know. I'll talk to me about how we can make that work and where does that fit in, in, in the church and the community to serve. Some of you have treasuring so much but you might find yourself kind of been doing this. Again, don't, don't look at your stocks this, this week. This is not a good time to, to do that. But what, as you're collecting it all, what, what, what are you doing with it? What is the treasure that God is giving you? It could be wealth. It could be possessions. I mean, it could be money, possessions, whatever it might be. What do you have that can be offered to God's kingdom to impact others? See, I've learned this, that there's, I, there's never a regret that I have when I've done things for God's glory. There's never a regret that I, when I gave to somebody that I go, oh shoot. And even when people have taken advantage of me, I just go back and go, God, I, I was just trying to be obedient to you. And I don't even look at that as a loss. But I have a lot of regrets on where I've spent it on myself. And I don't want to do that. I don't think you want to do that either. What will you give today? What happens when we, when we open our hands, God opens hearts. And we have the opportunity Will you pray with me? And could you pray with palms up this morning? Just encourage you to open your hands on your lap. Palms up is a sign of surrender. And this opportunity that we come before the Lord. And we say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here we are, Lord. God, as we, we're, we have our open hands today, we might look back this last week with a little bit of regret that we tight grip some things. And I would be the one, the first person to confess that. That I allowed worry, I allowed something to get in the way. A frustration, a problem. There's some things that I, I, I looked around and I held to that uh, I, I look for the easy chair. I, I look for just the easy moments. And Lord, it doesn't mean that we can't relax. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy life. But Enjoyment for ourselves never will be satisfying enough. But we find enjoyment in doing the good, Lord, you called us to do. And so, Lord, this week as open-handed people, God, may it open hearts. Our hearts and the, our hearts to the people around us and, the, and their hearts as well. To give of our lives. And that, Lord, even at the end of our week and even at the end of our life, we would have no regrets because we, we gave it all to the one who's already given it all. We are rich in mercy, and we are rich in the incompatible, incomparable riches of our faith and grace we have in you, Jesus. If there's some here today that are having a tough time letting go, may they, by faith, do it, Lord. In Jesus' name, may they let it go today. May they let it go of the person they're hanging on to. May they let go of the thing and the future, whatever it is, letting it go. That, Lord, we can not just be a, a reservoir, but a river that you flow through and touching lives and doing good that you commanded us to do. And, God, what would it look like when we do this? What would happen to collectively? It could really transform a community. 
It could transform a whole county. This one little rich church on the corner of Harborview and Birch Bay Linden, God, that you can use. But we do it not in arrogance, but we do it in humility, offering ourselves what you want to do in and what you want to do through us, we pray. And I, God, I pray for anyone here that is not rich in the mercy and grace of God. May they turn to you today and say, Jesus, I want that riches of, of the great salvation. I say yes to you. By grace, I am saved through faith. Nothing I can do, it's a gift of God that I receive. And then out of it, Lord, we can do the good works that you called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name.